Hello, my name is Steve D'Agostino, and my co-host Anne Fernald and I welcome you to the Twice Over podcast, because to teach is to learn twice over. In this episode, Start Small to Learn Fast, we are joined by Elizabeth Stosich, an assistant professor in educational leadership, administration, and policy in the Graduate School of Education at Fordham University, who shares her thoughts about continuous improvement in teaching and learning. Hi, we're so happy to welcome to this new episode of the Twice Over podcast, my friend and colleague, Liz Stosich. She's an assistant professor in the Division of Educational Leadership, Administration and Policy in Fordham's Graduate School of Education. So Liz, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. So the reason that I wanted to talk to you is that the one of the main reasons I want to talk to you and I want to just dive in here and then see where it takes us is that you were one of the recipients of or you and your colleagues were among the inaugural recipients of the track grants. And that's a grant program that's an internal grant program at Fordham administered by Rafael Zapata's office. Rafael is our chief diversity officer and these grants are for teaching race across the curriculum. And so these are not grants for individual professors, but these are kind of programmatic grants and they're meant to to encourage faculty members to work with their colleagues to interrogate the curriculum they're teaching and incorporate elements of anti-racism into their teaching. So that's a really deep foundational structural innovation in fighting racism, right? It's not simply thinking about, I'm gonna be a nicer person, or I'm gonna be more aware of the racial makeup of who I call on in my class. It's really meant to go at the curriculum. You had such a cool grant project and it was written up in Fordham News. And I was so proud to have been part of the team that gave you the green light to do this project, right? I mean, I had no no role in designing it, but I wanted to have you on so that you could talk about the project itself. So can you just tell us a little bit about your project and how you designed it? And we'll take it from there. So when the check initiative came out, I was really excited because I think a lot of individual faculty had been trying to better address race and racism in their courses, but without institutional support, you're typically doing it alone or at the margins. For instance, at the Graduate School of Education, we were talking some about it in our school council meeting. We're thinking about in the leadership team, but without support, it's really hard to bring people together to do this work. And so I was really excited with the track initiative, as well as the design of the initiative that you had to work with other colleagues, because I think that's part of what will help make this work, you know, sticky, like remain in the program because things happen. Even in our track work, we were fortunate to receive funding in the first and second years. There are always changes. People leave the university or stop teaching a particular course. And so it's important to be working across faculty members. And we are also working across programs to more strongly embed this work into our particular courses as well as into programs. This is challenging long-term work, but we're really excited about some of what we've done. So just to tell you a little bit about it, 
in the first year, we really wanted to work with faculty across our two largest programs in the Educational Leadership Division. So that's our EDD, which is a program for advanced leaders in educational leadership administration and policy. So typically these leaders are principals or district leaders who are seeking to advance in their career. They have huge impact on schools and districts because they lead entire systems. And so I think that Better preparing them as anti-racist leaders has great potential to better serve schools and communities. And then our master's in school building leadership, which is for aspiring leaders. So these are typically teacher leaders who hope to go into the principalship or they may already have a role as a dean or something like that in a school. And so we worked across those two programs. And so we came together as five faculty members, so three tenure track faculty members and two adjunct faculty members, and each of us committed to learning together. So meeting each month to what we thought was begin working on our courses from the very beginning, and then committed to making changes in our courses that would better prepare equity-focused and anti-racist leaders. So we thought of this work as equity-focused leadership as the sort of broader work that we're trying to do, but anti-racist leadership as an important particular aspect of equity-focused leadership that's necessary given the entrenched nature of race and racism in our system. What we learned that first year was that we couldn't just start with our work on our courses because we needed to develop a stronger shared understanding of what we meant by equity and what we meant by anti-racism. As tenure-track faculty members, Our expertise is more in research. So we brought sort of research on how people are thinking about these aspects of leadership and our adjunct faculty are experts in the field. So they actually teach people how to do this work as part of their job. They're leading professional development. They're counseling superintendents regularly, and they've also led this work in schools themselves. And so they brought their practical wisdom. And so together, we were able to bring these ideas together to better sort of of start understanding what we really mean by these terms. And that's actually very much ongoing work because on the one hand, we have in our division of educational leadership now, are we six full-time tenure track faculty? So that was half of our faculty was involved in that but not all of ours. And we have a larger you know, group of adjunct faculty as well that haven't been involved yet. But so we really are working on developing that shared understanding. And then we each essentially made changes to our core courses, particularly focused on sort of what we're asking students to do because their major assignments are typically applying their research and theory to practice. So what are we asking them to do that demonstrates competency in anti-racist leadership, for instance? I teach a class on leading educational policy and reform in the EDD program. And so in the past, they had written a policy memo that was designed to support improvement in policy. And my goal was that it was equity-focused improvement, but that wasn't actually explicit in the directions of the assignment or how it was evaluated. And so part of the redesign of the course was including more 
readings on anti-racist leadership and policy, but another part was then redesigning that policy memo as a critical policy memo, where they had to do more explicit work around thinking who would be advantaged and disadvantaged by the particular policy they were promoting, and that equity and anti-racist lens was actually part of the grading rubric as well. This is explicit expectation that this is part of how you're thinking about policy change, and so that's how you were grading as well. And so that's so an example. What you, it sounds like you did is you sharpened the prompt. And so someone could still presumably pursue a policy that is not announcing itself as anti-racist, right? Like I really want to focus on middle school writing skills, right? And we're going to have this policy and that's what I want to focus on. But here's how that's going to help or hurt these populations. Part of my enthusiasm is that it's, this is really deep work, right? It's not just slapping on a theoretical reading to a syllabus. Mm -hmm. It is, and I am lucky that I have incredible students. We've developed these district partners. My colleague Terry Orr is really, really wonderful with partnerships, developing strong partnerships. The district leaders and system leaders from the DOE and some surroundings give us really critical feedback. And one of our amazing partners um, is former Chancellor Misha Ross Porter, and she's really an incredible leader when it comes to equity and anti-racism. And so through partnering with her, we've been able to recruit more leaders who are also very knowledgeable about leading for equity and leading for anti-racism. So to be honest, we're also learning a lot from them. So they give us a lot of critical feedback that's helped us continue getting better too. So for instance, they will call me out if they see that you have these readings on anti-racist leadership in your course, but that's like, that was only in those particular sessions and it's not part of the assignment that we're doing. And it, it feels more like inserted rather than part of the course overall. So I've learned a lot from them. So I have to give credit to my fabulous, our Bronx leaders who give us really critical feedback and help us get better. And so that is something that also changed from year one to year two with the track grant, because I also got to learn from the other recipients of the track grant from other parts of Fordham. And one thing that really struck me was that some had involved students right yes. in their work and so in our second year we came together so we brought together additional full-time faculty who hadn't been involved in the past as well as adjunct faculty and then we brought students and alumni together for a day-long retreat to really reflect on both the programs, right, the program goals, and to what extent they really reflected our focus on equity and anti-racism and what would need to change for that to be more clearly embedded, as well as redesigning our courses. And so we each as instructors came to the retreat having revised syllabus to better support the development of equity-focused and anti-racist leaders. And then we received feedback from students and alumni about what else is needed. And we really focused on leaders in our program and graduates of our programs who had really strong expertise in these areas. And so I think they gave us very critical feedback because they want our programs to be what can support them in doing this work better, as well as what can support others. And so that I found just incredibly powerful.
Can you share with us some of the takeaways that surprised you most about something you came in and thought, oh, surely this is going to be really effective and to have someone say, oh, that is a terrible idea. It doesn't work or anything like that. I definitely think we're still trying to figure out what works. I mean, I knew this was long-term work, but I guess on the one hand, it makes sense. But on the other hand, sometimes it can be a bit overwhelming just how long-term of work this is, right? Because we, we still are working on our definitions of equity and anti-racism. We don't have them yet, which can feel a bit frustrating sometimes. Don't be surprised. When Raphael was starting the Diversity, Equity, Inclusion Council, we had that as an agenda item, and we were working with some external consultants who had worked with chief diversity officers nationwide. And they said, don't work on the definitions just yet. Councils that are not established have died trying to make the definitions because the definitions is the hardest part. Mm -hmm. And if you want to have your council be an effective and successful council, I recommend deferring the project of defining your terms for a little while because it's so contentious. It's so challenging. They're really important intellectual conversations, but I'm not surprised at all that you're wrestling, still wrestling with what do we mean when we say diversity? So Liz, I'm wondering about the object of the of the reform. I guess we're talking about reform, right? So the 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 students that come to you in the program who are uh, leaders, some of them might be building leaders, some might be institutional, like at the district level, others might be department chairs, so they're maybe more focused on instruction. So are we looking at diversity, equity, and inclusion in terms of should they, what are we going to do about scanning and police patrolling the halls, or are we looking at different voices on the syllabus in different courses? Or are we looking at discipline policies? Are all of those levels kind of wrestled with? Our goal across the programs, whether we're developing aspiring leaders or advanced leaders, typically at the district level, is really to, we've done a lot of program improvement work since I joined the faculty at 2017, first with a major total redesign of our EDD program, and then more recently signing our school building leadership program. And in both, we were trying to really emphasize two aspects, continuous improvement, and we use improvement science as part of that, right? That they're really leaders of improvement and that they are equity focused leaders and leaders for social justice. And so those were sort of the two pillars. But what we found is that the focus on continuous improvement has been very strong, that everyone is taking that up, but that the equity focus hasn't been sharp enough in that, for instance, when we look at sort of the focus of what they do in a particular course or for the EDD students, what they focus on for their dissertation and practice, it really varies pretty widely in terms of the the strength or existence at all of that equity focus. And so that was telling for us that this was where our sort of program improvement work really needed to be because essentially we want them to bring those two lenses, 
of continuous improvement and equity focused leadership to everything they do. So in the programs, they really are being developed in terms of developing these lenses as a leader, but also in terms of these different important areas of leadership. So one would be teaching and learning, right? So if you're leading instructional improvement, which is one of my areas, then when you identify a challenge of student learning, you need to be bringing that equity lens, bringing that anti-racist lens to really think about what are the opportunities? What are the outcomes? What is the opportunity to develop and connect to their own identity as part of a core aspect of learning, right? What are the opportunities to rethink power dimensions, right? In terms of teaching and learning. So really, whether it's that, or they're thinking about leading organizational change, and maybe there's a discipline issue that they're addressing, again, they'd be bringing those two lenses of continuous improvement and equity-focused leadership. So it really is, the expectation is they're bringing sort of those lenses to everything that they do. You said something really interesting, improvement science, which jumped out to me. Can you talk a little bit about what that is? Yeah. So Improvement science is a like a discipline of continuous improvement. It's been very popular in the healthcare field and some other fields, and it's really gained a lot of traction in education as well. And, you know, on the one hand, it's very of the moment. And on the other hand, it builds on a very long tradition of action research and other design-based implementation research, research practice partnerships, a lot of approaches to continuous improvement. But we found it very helpful because it really is brings this sort of this systematic approach, this disciplined approach to improvement work in education. And so we found that really helpful. And we've also been part of this, this initiative from Carnegie Foundation focused on improvement leadership and development. So this iLead initiative. And so that's been helpful for us because it's allowed us to do our program redesign, do our program improvement work together with, it's supported our partnership with district leaders in the area, but also we come together regularly with other university district partnerships and help provide each other support and feedback in improving our programs to better prepare leaders of improvement. Our theme this season for the podcast is innovation. And I really think that these track grants represent an opportunity for innovation. And I'm just wondering when you think about improvement science, when you think about what you're trying to do in your own work on your particular track grant, when you think about the track grant program overall, how do you think about that work and the equity work in terms of innovation? Yes, I definitely agree that this is supporting innovation in our programs because it's helping us take time to sort of define what it is we're trying to do and then also support the, you know, advancement of our approaches as well as then studying those approaches. So for instance, you know, in our first year, we were really focused on, you know, supporting some change, but the second year, our goal is to better understand really does the change lead to an improvement? And so Elizabeth Gill and I are have plans to study some of the changes that have happened and the extent to which they're really making a difference for the students who support them. And so that critical eye is really important to make sure that these shifts, you know, really are having the intended impact. 
I mean, I think that that's a, such an elegant phrase and such an, a crucial question, right? Does the change lead to an improvement? We can change all we want, right? And the, the, in some ways, the change is the easy part, right? If you've made a decision to continuously improve, you could window dress that and say, here's the change, right? And, and you can call change improvement, but change and improvement are not synonyms. Mm -hmm. And so I think the fact that you and Elizabeth Gill are interrogating that question is exactly the right place to go. And that's where the rubber really hits the road in terms of innovation that's sustainable and mm -hmm. that you wanna put time into. We've been looking at innovation through the, the kind of a technological lens, right? The integration of technology into teaching and learning. These seem really clear to be changes, obviously, because something exists that didn't exist before. Now we're confronted with this software object or hardware in our practice and we're teaching with it. Right. So that's an innovation. But I, I really like this idea of determining, okay, are things better now because of this? And also like, when do you know, like, how do you, how can you make that determination, right? When does the clock stop and you've said, yeah, things are better, right? It's hard to know. It's like the consequentialist approach. Like, how do I know what the consequences are really? How do I, that seems really complex to kind of think through. Well, and especially in school leadership and educational leadership, because how, if you're sending someone back into their school or their district, at what point are they expected to demonstrate a, a result in their district, right? I mean, they go back into another environment where they may be the only person who cares passionately about this issue. And they have a whole department to persuade, right? And they may be like in the district that my children are in high school, I've got one kid still in the high school, the school board has to vote to approve a novel for the language arts curriculum. So if they wanna change the language arts curriculum, it is a months and months and months of, I, I asked a question about, can we make the 10th grade reading list more diverse? I thought it was a straightforward question. Like, why are there no women that we read in 10th grade? And the teacher said, well, the school board hasn't approved any new books. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, that would be a year of my life of political lobbying to get the 10th. By the time I had finished the project, my kid wouldn't be in 10th grade anymore. Right. And so when you think about, on the one hand, the, the potential multiplicative effects of what you're doing are enormous, but the timeline out is really long. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a great example because, you know, people don't lead alone, right? You, everything is collaborative, whether you want it to be or not. To make change, you have to work with others. And so one thing I've been really excited about, so Elizabeth Gill and I are studying the sort of impact of the track grant on particular courses. And, but then Terry Orr and I are studying our EDD program since we've been, you know, doing all this work. And one thing, you know, the goal of the EDD program is to prepare leaders of equity-focused continuous improvement. So one way that they do this is their what we call the dissertation in practice. And that's that language from comes from the Carnegie project on the education doctorate. So it's really we're trying to prepare scholarly practitioners, people who use research and theory 
to make a difference in the schools and communities they serve, right? And so by looking at their dissertations in practice and really analyzing what they actually do as part of their dissertations, what we're looking for is the extent to which they're engaged in continuous improvement, right? Did they lead continuous improvement as part of their dissertation work? And the extent to which it's equity focused, right? And so we're working right now on, you know, how, how do we sort of assess that? What's the continuum in terms of what that looks like, right? Because it's not just equity focused or not. We know that people are having this, you know, this push-pull, right? Whether it's the problem is their lack of emphasis on equity or them meeting these, you know, challenges in the field, right? Where people are pushing back. You know, we have a lot of leaders working in, you know, districts or communities where just the word equity can result in your initiative being squashed, right? So how do people think about this and what are the you know, ways that they address these challenges as they're leading in their particular context, right? So I think, you know, it is a really complex issue, but it is one where we can, you know, there are some really, since we are asking people to apply what they're learning in the field, we can go, you know, first, you know, sort of closer to the our work at the university? Do they, you know, report that they have a better understanding of this? But ultimately, do they use these this learning to make a difference in the field? And is it focused on continuous improvement? And is it focused on equity and anti-racism? So, you know, I think, you know, what we're seeing is that, yes, very much with the focus on continuous improvement, not quite so much with the focus on equity and definitely not so much with the focus on anti-racism, but that's, so that's where the work is, right? That's where we need to keep focusing our continuous program improvement. And so now as part of the second year, yes, we're continuing to refine syllabi. Yes, we're studying the impacts, but we're also beginning to work as a division on sort of that learning, that collective learning as well about what these things mean and how this needs to be part of our, you know, program goals as well as particular courses, because we all need to support these changes if they're going to be more deeply embedded into the, you know, the particular curriculum, the larger program goals and how we all sort of work as a faculty and as a division. Yeah, I mean, I think that's why it seems to me that defining the, the terms are, is helpful because I would imagine a lot of the initial responses, well, I'm already equitable in my, what, you know, in my practices, right? I, I do this, this, and this, my school and district do this, this, and this. And I think there's a lot of resistance at the operational level because it's just like one more bean, right? You, you're doing all of these things and here's another thing now you're responsible for. And so the cultural resistance to the word equity, right? The additional workload, on, on practitioners and kind of mid-level administrators, you know, principals and assistant principals and so on. I would imagine it can be, you know, there's a, a lot of complexity to deal with, which could result in some resistance, not to equity per se, but just operationalizing these goals. I really appreciate Anne's comment earlier about, you know, that com committees have, you know, withered and died trying to define these terms. That's really helpful because I do think one thing that, so, and I study professional learning, that's like my research, right? And so typically, so I know some things about this. So typically I've been studying and designing professional learning for leaders and teachers working together, you know, in the field. And so 
while uh, this is newer to me studying, you know, masters and doctoral programs, you know, I can bring that, you know, research to bear, but it is different trying to change faculty members practice. And the good thing is I work in a fabulous division where people are very interested in working together and learning together. I think, you know, our students can be a little frustrated that we're not better at it since they're expected to do that work in their schools and districts. But, you know, I've always believed that you sort of change practices and then that changes beliefs. Like in the professional learning literature, that's a big thing is let's focus on changing the practice. And when they see that that practice results in, for instance, more meaningful learning for students, then they'll change their beliefs about what is appropriate for students or what students are able you know, to do. But then in the literature um, around leading for equity and leading for anti-racism, there's often a focus on changing beliefs. And I think that's some of the, you know, that's some of the, you know, when you think about developing these shared understandings, a lot of that is about sort of coming together and developing shared understandings or shared beliefs, right? But I think what people are starting to find and what there's been some more research on is if you just focus on changing beliefs, then you can sometimes never get to the changing of practice. And that's unacceptable because that doesn't touch people, right? Like it doesn't touch other people. So you might change your beliefs, but if you don't change your practice or if you wait for everyone to change their beliefs or everyone to come to this shared understanding of what we mean by anti-racist leadership, we might never change our curriculum and so never support the development of an anti-racist leader in a better way, right? And so I think what I've learned from some of that research and what I think your comment really reinforces is we have to do both, right? And the, you know, in improvement science, they are always talk about like start small to learn fast, right? We need to do both and we need to keep making changes and have that be not just one person, but embedded in the curriculum, right? But we're going to keep learning and figuring it out. But we can't just wait till we know everything because we'll never know any everything or we'll never all agree to make the changes, right? So, so we can like, do both and we have to keep doing it as we keep learning. So we always like to ask our guests to talk about a teacher that's been meaningful in their lives. Can you tell us a little bit about a teacher that's been important in your life? I've been very fortunate to have many, many wonderful teachers, but I will say that my first year of my doctoral program, I had my advisor, Susan Moore Johnson, as my teacher, and that really was the most intense learning experience I've ever had. Like I, you know, have learned, you know, so much from the, you know, my family members, my, you know, I remember I had a fabulous like middle school teacher was super creative, but I will say she kicked my butt and I loved it. Like I loved it. And, you know, the workload was so demanding, the amount of research we were supposed to read. She cold called people, you know, you know, I was so on the edge of my seat at every class and I really loved it. And sometimes I wish more people liked that because I know my students would actually kill me if I 
taught like that. I don't think they're interested in it at all. You know, they want to know sort of in advance if I'm planning on calling on them and be prepared and things. But I must say that I totally love that super intense learning experience. And she gave me so much critical feedback and I did poorly on my first paper, but I learned so much and I just really loved it. You know, it's funny. I think, you know, people are different in terms of what they, you know, appreciate, but at the same time, it was like a loving critique. And so as much as, you know, I didn't do so well on that first paper and it was full of just red, you know, everywhere because we were handing in our papers, you know, hard copy still. She loved that. The feedback was all, you know, improvement oriented. And I learned a ton. It wasn't just critical. It was about, you know, helping me improve. And so, you know, I felt like as much as I had to put in so much to prepare for that class and to be successful, the amount I learned during that just one semester was incredible, both about the topic. It was about, you know, teachers unions, which I loved learning about and gained a new appreciation for, but it was also about being a learner and a scholar and a writer. And I was learning so much from all of her feedback. So on the one hand, I had to put so much in, but on the other hand, she was putting so much in. And so it was really that high expectations, high support environment that I think people can really thrive in. She sounds amazing. What a great story. Well, thank you so much. This was really, really fun. Twice Over Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Spotify, with new episodes appearing each week. For host and guest bios and show notes, please visit our website, twiceoverpodcast.com. You can email us at twiceoverpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening.